it's John and Casey here from Are You Real? And we've been sleeping on my pillow now for over a month. And I'm telling you, our sleep has improved drastically. So what are you waiting for? When are you going to jump on board and start experiencing the kind of restorative sleep you need in your life? Are you waiting for a better offer? Well, your wait is over because if you go to MyPillow.com right now, you can take advantage of the MyPillow four-pack offer, right, John? That's right. You get two premium MyPillows and two to-go anywhere pillows at half off. Just go to MyPillow.com, use my code REAL, and get 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and enter promo code REAL, or call 1-800-943-4615. But don't forget, you got to use promo code REAL. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Welcome to Are You Real? Episode 118. All right, Roar Nation, I am fired up. We are going to hit this thing hard and this is, I'm excited today. We are going to be talking to a man's man. Uh, And I don't even know if he calls himself that, but we're going to find out. And I'm just saying that because I love uh, love guys with beards, man, that are into hunting and fishing and camping and stuff like that. Because a lot of times I think, and I'm just speaking for myself, so you don't have to agree with me. But in today's age, uh, men have just lost the... uh, manliness of of who we're called to be and and how God created us. So anyways, that being said, I'm not going to put any more words in uh, Roger's mouth. Roger, you ready to rock this thing? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Roar Nation. So check this out. Roger is a successful entrepreneur. He's a collaborator, adventurer. He's a writer, um, which I love to hear all these things. He is uh, innovative businesses, set them up, nonprofit organizations, And this is what I think is really cool. He has done produced surf films, built skate parks, outfitted adventure trips, and uh, all alongside his wife, he travels, surfs, snowboards, and fly fishes uh, with his two sons. So that being said, Roger, it sounds like you guys have quite the adventurous life, my friend. Do we? Yeah, we, we tend to live a pretty full adventure. We're on 10 pretty much all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. So, um, Roger, why don't you tell us a little bit, just kind of like, uh, I've just hit a, a high view of who you guys are, but why don't you tell me more about you, what you do, and uh, what life looks like? Sure, yeah. No, I've been, you said a lot of the things I love to do, but I've been, what I love most is, at least on this earth, is my wife. We've been married for nearly 20 years. Um, I would tell you exactly, but I'm not exactly sure I know. Um, and then my kids, I got two boys, one's uh, 15, one's 13. Um, and so a lot of my life is, you know, just centered around what I'm doing with them. We spent a lot of time surfing. My wife actually just took my boy surfing. He's a competitive surfer. My oldest one is. My youngest is a skateboarder. And when I'm not doing that, um, currently I'm writing a working on my next surf movie. Um, in fact, tomorrow we're doing a showing down in San Diego of my latest, our last surf movie. Um, and I'm writing books. Um, so keeping things pretty full. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, man, I'm really curious. Tell me about the uh, the surf movie adventure. That's uh, You're the first person I've ever talked to, and I've met a lot of people, and uh, you don't hear about surf movies very often. Right. Well, it helps. I live in a surf town in Southern California, um, but I started off out of college. Um, my best friend and I started the at the time was the world's largest indoor skate park, and we also owned a surf shop uh, locally, and so we were kind of getting – are kind of cutting our teeth in the surf and skateboarding world. And then I met a buddy who was a pro surfer uh, at the time. Then um, he, we were doing surf camps and he came and spoke and he had this vision for wanting to do surf films and I'd wanted to do it too. So we funded it and got one started. It's an organization called walking on water and we've done 12 surf movies so far, um, surf documentaries the one that's out right now is called Surfers and Cowboys. It's about big wave surfing and bull riding. And it's a pretty fun fish out of water story where we kind of make the bull riders go surfing and the surfers go bull riding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's pretty great. Um, I'm, man, what got you uh, into surfing? Just you live there? I mean, that's just something you grew up doing and you just decided to dive in or what? Yeah. I, I mean, I, was, I grew up on the beach here. I was born in this little beach town. Um, so, you know, it was just what we did growing up. We didn't have, we're pretty far. We're about an hour North of LA. Um, we didn't really have a lot of sports teams around here. Um, I didn't grow up into sports or anything like that. So my sport was surfing and skateboarding. And so the guys I grew up with are all, we're all doing those sports. And so it just was kind of natural for her to come out of that being your childhood, you know, spending all your days on the beach and surfing into kind of a career that started really, uh, with surfing and skateboarding. I dig it, man. So during your journey of life, have you just had an inspirational scripture or a success quote or something like that, that you just kind of cruise life with? You know, uh, back in those days, I was just talking about when I was younger. Um, when I, I, I came to, I came to faith late in high school and I lived a pretty rough life before that. Um, but one of the things that I didn't love about the church back then is everyone seemed so depressed all the time. And so, <laughs> which is opposite of who we're supposed to be, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I came across the scripture, John 10, 10, where it talks about the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come, to, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And that life to the full really stuck with me as a young man. And I said, that felt like Jesus to me. Um, and so that's really kind of been a guiding, um, kind of a guiding verse in my life. If life isn't feeling full to me, then I feel like something's not quite right. So how do you check that? I'm curious. I think that's a great scripture, by the way. And, and I a hundred percent agree with you. How do you check that in your life or personally, or if you were to give advice to somebody, like if, what does life to the fullest look like? Well, it's not. I, I'll tell you what I used to think it was, and I kind of went down this path probably the first half of my career, is I thought fullness was related to my schedule, you know, that we were just supposed to be burning you know, all the time, you know, doing stuff for the Lord, doing all that. Um, and and it burned me out pretty badly, as you know, it does a lot of people. Um, and I couldn't figure out why. And what I found is life to the full is not a schedule issue. It's a heart issue. Is my heart's got to be full. And the things that fill my heart – tend to be things, you know, um, that obviously I'd love to do because God put those desires in my heart. Um, but I'm constantly checking kind of my, if my heart's full, how's my joy? Um, you know, am I, you, you can kind of feel it, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to best describe it, but you can kind of feel it 
when things start to go astray and you're like, man, something's not right. You know, the colors seem dull and you know, my love life isn't great. And you know, things just start to go down this path. You're like, man, this isn't full at all. And that's kind of probably how I start checking that a little bit. I like that. Um, I want to go down your journey, uh, if you would, just take us way back, actually. And you don't have to go too far back. It's up to you. But uh, I'm just thinking about even getting saved. Uh, you said late in high school and stuff like that. But just what that looked like over the last 20 years, just take us on a journey. Because I know you, you talked about, you know, you surfed, you had a, a um, skate shop, you did that kind of stuff. And, and at the time, um, I think we're pretty close in age, actually. And I'm thinking back. 20 years, 25 years. I mean, it's, it's not like Christianity is a cool thing in the skateboarding world. Uh, yeah. at least it wasn't when I was a kid. Cause I had a lot of friends that skated when I grew up in Phoenix. And, um, how was, I would love to hear that journey and just like keeping your faith in that and what your faith looked like along that journey and just hearing God, uh, down that path. Sure. Um, yeah, we're taking it, taking it pretty far back there. Yeah, I'm I'm 45 now, or maybe I'm 46. I'm somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You just start to lose track yeah. at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, grow, like I said, growing up on the beach, we grew up pr- pretty rough. My friends and I were there's a lot of fist fights and the kind of drugs and alcohol, the kinds of things that you you know associate with kind of a rough beach culture. And, um, so I was pretty radically saved when I was 17. Um, and just kind of walked straight out of all that into an in, in area of real purpose in my life. Um, but what didn't line up to me, because when you kind of come from outside, I, you know, I didn't have a church background. And so the church to me didn't really line up with, I was reading about this really exciting Jesus guy and we were talking about him and singing about him. And on the Sunday mornings, it didn't feel like the same Jesus. And so it was hard for me to kind of reconcile those two. And I think as we kind of progress, that's, and that's probably a whole nother story. No, um, I'd love to hear it, man. I think, yeah. no, I, I think that's relevant because I think, um, especially in today's culture, the, a lot of kids feel the same thing. I just, um, it's funny. You said that I was literally thinking recently I was sitting in church and, uh, we have a great pastor, great church, love it. But I, I just remember looking around at everybody and was just thinking like, why aren't people excited? Like, yeah. like God is awesome. What he's done in my life is amazing. And I just see people standing around and I was kind of dumbfounded and it, it bothered me. And I'm well, I mean, I've been doing this 20 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, that's right. I mean, it's totally relevant now. Cause I, you, you know, I, I, and I, I know you and I could probably both kind of name men that we know they're sitting in church on Sunday morning and just bored out of their lives with their faith and with church and with work. And, and unfortunately that starts going down a pretty scary path when, uh, when the guys can't, you know, aren't fulfilled in that way. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's relevant now too, for sure. Um, but when I, what, when, what my, what I had going for me is my best friend at the time, uh, kind of the same summer, He'd gotten saved too. And so we were both kind of going down this path together of saying, well, what would life look like if we lived, you know, we were young and you know how you are when you're young and kind of on fire and you know, what would would life look like if we actually did this thing? Like we we think the scriptures say and what it feels like Jesus is saying in our hearts. And so, so we would start doing pretty awesome things. What, like I mentioned, the skate park, we started the largest, it was the largest skate park indoor skate park in the world 
at that time we were both 24 we we're just kind of like you know why not you know who's going to do this if we're not going to do it um and we'd raise the money it was that we found an investor who kind of believed in us and believed in what we we're trying to do and then all of a sudden we're in the center of the skate world um which does not think church is cool at all and they're trying to figure out how do these because we weren't shy about our faith um they were trying to figure out why how did it you know they were trying to figure out how this happened you know yeah how could, how could the best skate park in the world be owned by a couple of Christian guys? Um, you know, and it was led to a lot of really interesting opportunities. We started a skate church there. Um, that was pretty amazing. Um, found a youth pastor friend who did, it was like a Tuesday night deal. We shut down and, you know, our skate church probably had more kids coming than all the youth groups combined in town. Um, it just was, it was amazing, amazing ride, but it felt like, you know, felt a little like ax or something. Yeah. I love that. Do you have any like stories that you remember that were just powerful or like some of the guys that were just obviously like non-believers that just came to know the Lord or any kind of radical testimonies during that time? Yeah, there's one. I won't name this guy because he's a, he's a pretty well-known pro skater. Um, but on our on our opening day, we had a, a one of our good buddies. His name was Dan. His street name used to be Digger Dan. He grew up in a pretty rough uh, surf area. So this big dude, you know, known for before he was saved, he was known for just pounding guys. And so he, he gets to be, you know, he becomes a Christian, becomes one of our best friends. Uh, he's working our opening day and this pro comes in who's just hot headed. He's this pros known for, you know, being pretty rough too. <laughs> Anyways, I make a long story short you know, this pros just going off on people and then not behaving the way we want. So we confront them. And then basically digger Dan comes in and they just get into a, big old brawl right in the middle of our ramp <laughs> on our opening day. And so now we've got our head kind of security guy fighting one of these best known pro skaters in the world. And what was amazing about it is those two guys later that, that pro skater made fun of us and all this kind of stuff and eventually came around. And those two guys became really close friends. A skater um, started, you know, going to church um, and I think Digger, I think my buddy Dan actually managed him for a bit. <laughs> and so, um, it was just amazing to see that kind of impact that could happen, you know, of going from, you know, brawling in a ramp to becoming really good buddies and, you know, only the Lord can do that. Yeah. No kidding. I love, I love stories like that, man. They are so fun. <laughs> so, Okay, so I love. Uh, I want to take you, or I want you to take me down another story or a journey. You recently, um, you're right, wrote a book. Uh, we stood upon the stars, and uh, I love the the thought behind it. You've traveled, uh, it seems like, extensively throughout, and uh, in different spots. Um, can you take me on some of that journey of um, maybe behind the scenes of like why you wrote the book and then kind of the thought behind it and then what that looked like starting that adventure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, um, the, the kind of premise behind the book before, before it was a book, it was an idea. And what I, what I wondered was, you know, we talked a little bit about some of my struggle, some of men's struggle, um, you know, being on in church pews on Sunday mornings, um, and I, was, I, I wonder, like, where, where does my heart come alive? And it comes alive, probably like you and other guys. My heart comes alive when I'm in the mountains or surfing or someplace kind of out in nature. And I wanted to, I wanted to figure out, press into that a little bit. Um, and so the book started taking shape as an idea of what is it about these places 
um, to me, they're holy places. It's holy ground um, of these, you know, mountain tops and so forth. That really, why does why does that kind of you know fill our hearts? And so I started writing stories about you know how these you know how the Rocky Mountain National Park shaped a friendship of mine, or how you know driving along Highway One in Big Sur along the coast in Ventura, how my marriage really settled into a groove as we were doing this on this one trip. But I believe that God created those specific places with that beauty to kind of do something in our hearts. And so anyway, so that's what kind of the idea started out of. And, you know, I could have done, I could have written a hundred more stories, but my publisher stopped me at 31. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's got 31 different stories of adventure and romance and, um, how God uses, kind of his creation to speak into our lives and make us better as a result of it. During, uh, during your journeys, is there one that just really stood out to you upon this process that was just really heartfelt? Obviously you, you said you even had more than 31 and you stopped, but is there one that comes to mind during this book that was just really impactful? I, yeah, for sure. In fact, it was the, the first chapter I wrote and it ends up being, I think it's chapter 20, it's 21 or 24. It's in the twenties in the book. I can't remember. Um, but it's in Glacier National Park. And I don't know if you've been there, but it's, you know, we, I live in Southern California. It's a long, long drive to get there. But I took my whole family up there. And at the time, I was kind of, it was in a, a season of change in my life um, where I'd been chasing success and a number of things um, that kind of going back to that joy meter and that kind of life to the full. My schedule was full, but my heart was empty. Um, and so things I needed to reset and, uh, and my boys were starting to get to a certain age where I was noticing the impact of me not being around as much as I should be. And so anyways, I'd say, let's, let's load the car. We're going to go up to, you know, almost as far away as, as we can drive from here. We're in Glacier National Park and the view is just stunning. You know, you sit at the a lake surrounded by pine trees and then the kind of these snow packed mountains kind of rise and. Um, and those are all glaciated peaks. And so they have this kind of striated um, kind of horizontal bands that kind of carved out the mountain peaks. And it's just something that's otherworldly gorgeous. But I was sitting along the shores there and I was thinking about um, my sons and how much I want for them and coming to the realization that as a flawed man and a flawed father, there's just no way I could give them what all they need in this life. In the verse, you know, we've heard this verse a million times, you know, I look to the help, the psalm, I look to the mountains, and that's where my help will come from. And so that just came to my mind, and all of a sudden, I realized it. I looked up at the mountains, and I started asking where my help would come from, and it just dawned on me, this is, you know, bringing them here, bringing them to these places, and creating experiences for them to experience God in a fresh way, and God's going to be, fulfill that gap between what I want for them and what I can do. Um, anyways, and so that, that, that moment for me was a revelation in fatherhood and bringing my kids, you know, I wasn't putting them on the altar, so to speak, but it felt like that in a little bit, like turning them over to God um, because the God who created those mountains can also, will also shape my boys' hearts. And that just gave me such a great comfort. So that's where that book kind of launched out of is that story um, in that moment where God gave me a, a sense of peace about my boys that I had not been able to get in any other way. 
I love that story, uh, Roger. I want to ask you before you started that you talked about chasing success. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really just curious. How do you feel like have you overcome it, or do you feel like you've had? There's, it's definitely a hard issue. I think uh, all of us deal with it, especially men, because especially when you feel like you're called to um, support your family and you feel that burden. Uh, obviously, women have a, a different burden. Um, but as men, we feel that. And how do you feel like you've overcome that or are overcoming that? Well, mine happened in kind of a pretty wild way. Um, I got I was in a near-death accident. Um, and up until then, I was charging pretty hard. And uh, I fell down these rocks. Is actually kind of a stupid thing. I don't even remember what happened. And the doctors don't know what happened. But I fell down these rocks and was eight feet down. I fell on my head and cracked my head open and um, kind of was near near death when I was found. Um, but afterwards, I couldn't work for six months or more. And the whole time I was laid up, I was worried to death about the bills, worried to death about, you know, kind of what I was going to do to provide my family and all these things. And, and things started happening like groceries showed up on the doorstep and money started showing up from random places. And what was revealed to me in that time was that God really does take care of all of our needs. And it wasn't really up to me to provide the way that I want to do my, what I was using was I used words like calling, uh, you know, my, my, you know, what I was called to do or what I was providing for my family. I use those as kind of excuses to justify what I really got out of it, which was feeling awesome because I made these big deals. It was more about me, you know? Um, and so in those quiet moments where I couldn't work at all and where my needs were is a very humbling time where, I was literally being kept alive by other people. Um, that's when I really realized that, you know, we say that we know God is going to look after us and take care of us, but we don't, I don't really believe that. Um, and so that was when I started believing it. And after that, you kind of go, well, if he can, you know, if he can rescue us from that, he can rescue us from anything. And it gave us a, my wife and I both a, a sense of, yeah, I think before we were afraid that if we were to really turn our lives over um, and pursue kind of what, not success, but significance, that we wouldn't have enough money to do it. Um, and that just proved us totally wrong. And so at any rate, that's, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the moment where that changed in my life. No, it does make sense. I and mean, what I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that, though, is what does that look like now in life? So obviously your schedule isn't is full. Your life is more full, but especially people that are really driven or business owners or, and, and I totally relate with you. There's almost a, um, an endorphin rush or a high off of closing that deal or, you know, making things happen. Right. Um, which part of it, I believe God wired us for that's who we are and how he created us. But there's also, uh, some responsibility there of not allowing that to overtake our lives mm-hmm. and, and to steward that. How has that changed for you as far as being an entrepreneur going from your old mindset to having that near death experience? You know, the, the, the first thing that happens is I 
my wife is way more involved now than she was before. Um, and I don't know why that wasn't natural to begin with for me. And I don't know if other guys struggle with this or not, but she really wasn't a part of my decisions, entrepreneurial decisions, what I was doing. I, I, I told her what I was doing, um, but I didn't really give her a, a vote in doing it with me. Um, and so now we really approach these things together. And the importance of that is she kind of is able to kind of check like, Hey, you know, you're, you're gone a little too much or, you know, she kind of becomes a little bit of a barometer and then kind of a, she knows, you know, she knows me obviously super well uh, and she can kind of help keep me in a balance a little bit better, or at least tell me when I'm starting to kind of go off the rails. So that's, you know, a, a big change too. And I think probably the, the bigger one, and this didn't happen overnight and I still struggle with this some too, is, um, as I stopped striving so hard for people to think, I'm super awesome or something, or I'm super successful. Right. And that, that striving is something that's really hard. And it's super hard in Christian world for some reason. I find it more Christians are striving than anybody else I know. Um, and, and so that's been kind of the slower change is just, you know, having satisfaction with where I'm at in life now. Um, and in having done this for a while now, I can tell you, cause we're kind of on a loop on the other side is that, more awesome than it's ever been. Um, and we're striving so much less. I'm way more present with the things that really bring me joy. You know, I, this is super random, but I did this list of, um, we were coming back from a trip a couple of years ago from one of our adventures out. Uh, we were up in the Northwest and, um, I made a list of like what brings me joy. And it was really simple things. It was like meat was one. Yeah. Um, I really just love meat. I love surfing. <laughs> I love, there's just like a handful of things. And I was like, wow, this is really pretty simple. I'm just going to do these things. And so that's what I do. We, we barbecue a lot now and we surf a lot and we, you know, and our life is, is feels more full in the heart than it ever has been. So how do you tie that in to your, your work or what you do now then? I mean, if those things, because I, I'm just curious to the things that bring you joy. Are you still able to tie those into everyday life or, I mean, and the reason I say that is I'm just thinking, so you like, you love surfing. Well, maybe you don't have a way to make money at it, which could be good or bad either, either way. Mm -hmm. But you know, how do you tie that into life? You know, part of for me, I'm a little lucky in terms of where I live, especially as it relates to surfing. Um, And, I really worked for a number of years. Now that I'm mostly riding full time, um, I actually park my van. I've got a VW van that's kind of my office. I park it down at the beach, and that's where I work. So I work at the surf spot, <laughs> and so and then when I'm you know I work for a few hours and I jump in the water for a little bit, go for a surf or I go stand paddleboarding or something, and I just it kind of incorporate it into my into my day. So I'm just never too far away from one of those things. Um, and obviously I've created better balance in terms of my schedule. Um, and there's still seasons where, you know, you have to work, you know, 12 hour days and that's, I'm still not immune to that, but I'm conscious of it. And if I'm doing that for a week or two to kind of get a big project out the door, the next couple of weeks I'll work half days, um, to kind of make up for take long weekends and take my family on a little mini trip, go camping somewhere. Um, so I mean, those are a couple of things I do. 
That's awesome. I, I would love to be able to park my truck down at the beach and work <laughs> for for some. That just sounds too awesome, man. So yeah. I'm sure we're going to have some listeners that are a little uh, jealous on that one. Yeah, and I know that's not realistic for everybody, but you know, I think we all find those things. I think the point of that is put yourself closest to the things that you know that you love to do oh no i think for sure like if somebody just wants to go ride a bike whether they took their lunch break to go ride a bike or if um you know they like to write take take a break and write in the middle of the day or do something i mean like you said the thing that we enjoy we can bring it close to us take that break during the day and then do it yeah i'll t- I'll, I'll tell you something too and this gets into a little bit of some personal stuff. I know we don't tend to like talk about our personal finances, but no, we're all the, about being real on the show, man. Yeah. Anything you're willing to talk about, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into. This is something that I try to tell people over and over again, because, um, the biggest thing my wife and I did, once we kind of came to this whole thing, when you really start penciling it out, cause it sounds like I live like a vacation life sometimes. Um, and when you pencil it out, you're like, well, how does, how does this work? The way that we figured out how to make it work is we cut our expenses probably in third, um, of what it used to be. Uh, and so that included, include all sorts of things, you know, um, but really striving to live more simply, um, than we did before. And that was the secret sauce for us was, you know, we, we chose a, before it was all revenue, right? Cause when you're on that charging hard entrepreneurial side, you're focused on the revenue line and your, your personal expenses just kind of tend to go up with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the fan, you got the fancy your cars, you got this and that, you know, I, I got rid of my, you know, I had a super kick-ass Mercedes, super fast car <laughs> and, a old, and a big old suburban. And I got rid of the two of those and bought a little tiny Subaru and saved, you know, $600 a month just in gas. And you know, not even, I was thinking just the car payment alone had to be like, save a grand. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. And so, it was things like that. Like, how do you kind of pare back? And I had those things because I wanted to show up to the meeting in my Mercedes because then I was, looked like I was as successful as everybody else, you know? And now I show up to my meetings and I have a, I bought a van for a thousand dollars and I'm showing up in a beat up van and people think I'm homeless. Um, (laughs) With long hair. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wish I had long hair. I'm like the bald homeless guy. So, but I say that to go, you know, sometimes we're looking in the wrong places, um, for this stuff as well. And, and that was the big breakthrough for us was to figure out how to, to really live as simply as we could. Um, because I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to make as much as I used to make if we were going to kind of try to have this life. And so, and that's the, the, the truth for us is, you know, we make less than we used to, you know, a couple of decades ago or whenever I was at my peak, um, but we're happier as a result of it. That's really interesting. So a lot of times we think the more money we make, the happier we're going to be. And it's just kind of like that um, that carrot in front of the donkey that you see. Yeah. That's like it never ends. You always chase it and you never really get it. Yeah. I was I was at a conference once. I was talking to this super this guy who was, you know, he had all the trappings of success and this whole thing. And, and um ask him a little bit about what his goals were and, you know, why he was chasing, you know, money as much as he was. And his answer was, you know, someday, you know, I'm going to have enough money to live, have a place on the beach and I'm just going to wear shorts and, you know, and this whole thing. And basically he was describing my life. I was like, Oh, 
or you could just do it now, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and cut out 40 years of abandoning your family to do it. There's so much wisdom in that. It's funny. I've been having, uh, and the reason I'm asking you a lot of these conversations, these are conversations I've been having in my head during my drive time for like the last year. Sure. And, and you know, one of the things I thought about, and this is funny, some, maybe some will relate to this or they won't, but you know, as you get older, I'm like, well, maybe I just don't have as much testosterone anymore and I'm not as driven and, and I should be more driven. Cause I used to be like all my friends, everybody around you would say I'm extremely driven, but I used to be even more so. And it, and it, and I've struggled with that because I'm like, part of me just doesn't care anymore. I'm like, I just, I have nothing to prove. I don't really care. And I just don't want to be in the rat race like everybody else. Like life should be simple. And, and then when I read the gospel, like you said, I, I just look at it. I was like, you know, the, the old Testament before Jesus died for us, you know, man was cursed to work hard. Right. And, and I'm not saying men shouldn't work hard. That's so hear me audience clearly. And that's not my point. But we shouldn't, like you said, we shouldn't be striving because in the new covenant, we're blessed and mm-hmm. and God does take care of our needs and he fulfills those things. And and it, it shouldn't be this constant striving to achieve something if if we're resting in our identity of who we are in, in Christ. Right. That's such good words right there. So anyways, I mean, they're words for right now. I mean, it's one of those things I've been wrestling with for honestly, a couple years now, but just really contemplating that in my life this last year, just thinking, you know, what does that really look like? And, and I love how you brought up the fact of bringing your wife in, how she's more involved in your business. That's something, you know, for, for 20 years, my wife and I, we started off with a business together and I, we were both really young. I I was personally extremely immature and uh, we were 20. We bought our first business and, you know, I didn't know how to run it and couldn't appreciate. She's uh, extremely organized, and I'm very creative, which means I'm not organized very well. And right. we just didn't work well together. And I did a bad job uh, stirring and allowing that. But for the first time in literally almost 18 to 20 years, we're coming back together. And she's running the podcast in our construction company and, and helping me in all those areas. And, you know, I look back and think, man, we, sh- we should have been doing this a long time ago. But it, right. it it takes maturity. And I, I love what also what you said, you know, you said you made decisions and you let her know. Yeah. Which is retarded. I mean, that's just so stupid because <laughs> I've done the same thing. And now I'm like, there's been times, you know, I come home like, oh, honey, we're uh, I'm doing this. And she's like, oh, OK. And now it's like, hey, do you want to do this? What do you think? Right. And there's times that she's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I think it's the best idea ever. But then I'm like, well. Right. All right, maybe it's not. We're not going to do it then because she has better a better sense of things than I do. Oh yeah, for sure. And all it, 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 so it's it's so wild, right? Because as soon as you start doing that, you start to reap the benefits of what marriage is really designed to be, you know. <laughs> and so, our, you know, so not only is our marriage better, but our whole life is better as a result of you know that type of kind of communication, approaching life together. Yeah, man. I wish somebody, uh, I wish I could have had this conversation about 20 years ago or I'd not have this conversation, listen to this conversation 20 years ago. Oh, totally. Yeah. If there's any, if there's any young guys listening, um, just to get straight to the point here, the more you listen to your wife, the better your sex life gets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're definitely going to want to know that now. So don't, yeah, exactly. don't screw that up. Right. Uh, that is awesome. 
Okay, um, I'm going to go on to the let's the the let's get real round. And uh, before we do, we'll take a quick moment for our sponsor. Are you a responsible person who finds yourself growing deeper and deeper in credit card debt and you're not sure how to fix the problem? Then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity Debt Management is a nonprofit organization that will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. Put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest rates by as much as 60%, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands and become debt-free for keeps. It's not a loan. It's a smart way to relieve your stress, meet your obligations, and preserve your self-respect. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Gather up your bills and call this toll-free number for a free, no-obligation debt analysis, 1-800-741-8205. Again, that number, 1-800-741-8205. You don't want to miss this opportunity. Give us a call today. Okay. So, Roger, what do you feel like your biggest strength is in what you do? Um. Gosh, right now, it's probably, uh, I'm really, I tend to, I can be really focused with, with writing books. They're like the world's longest homework assignment. Yes. And one of, I used to think this was kind of a weakness, but I really don't like talking to people all that much, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I like to kind of be in this little cave and, and not doing that, but it's turned out to be a real strength because I have this kind of ability to get myself motivated every single day to stare down the blank page and fill it with words. Um, and that discipline of kind of every single morning starting basically at the same time and just doing it has turned out to be a real strength for this season in my life of writing. Um, you know, that, and I, I, I'm probably, you sound like you're really creative too. I have a real creative kind of mind. I was just built, I, my mom's an artist. Um, and so I would just grew up in a, artistic creative environment and uh and that strength is now being fully employed uh, with what i do too so that's that's it's really fulfilling to to be able to do that i like that what do you feel like your biggest weakness is sometimes it can be an overextension of our strength or be something totally different yeah mine and, and i think probably if you've talked to other writers uh, you'll come across this too but um, just lack of confidence, I think, in terms of the, the writing. It's never feeling like you're quite good enough to, to do anything and kind of giving in to, you know, mostly lies. I mean, to some, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a great writer and, and I'm okay, but I, but I know kind of where some of this, but I can start believing these lies that, all right, I suck. This, you know, everything I just wrote today wasn't worth crap. You know, yeah. I need to go do something else. Um, and I can kind of cave to that a little bit um, at times too, and spiral down and just go eat a pile of donuts. Yeah, make you feel better, sleep on it, and then start over yeah. the next day. Yeah. I love it. Okay, what is the biggest thing that God's stirring inside of you right now? Well, this this is funny given some of our conversation earlier, but I'm actually trying to get a, a big public skate park built in our city. Um, as something to do for the kids in the area. We, we have, we're pretty underserved. My skate park closed um, about 15 years ago, um, and we haven't had a skate park in town. And anyways, there's a bunch of kids that love that and don't have it. So 
uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it sounds silly or not, but it just felt like God was saying, Hey, you know, you're the guy to do this. So I'm working with parks and recreation in our city and kind of rallying parents. And we're kind of on the path right now to get a really great um, skate park built for our kids. I love that. Making a difference. I, I think that's huge because I think when we can impact our community and make a difference, I really think that's where um, God shows up in some areas because it's not like it's just we go to church or do something, but we're making a serious impact in our community and allowing kids to have a place to go. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And you know, I just came off my, my recent, within a year ago, I was building a um, resort in Haiti, a nonprofit resort in Haiti with some friends. And that was this massive project, you know, that's trying to serve, you know, the impoverished people of a country like Haiti and create jobs and all this kind of stuff. And so it was really easy to kind of say that's what I was doing. And people go, oh, wow, that's great. And then when I came back, now I'm saying, well, I'm building this little skate park. It just feels, you know, it feels less spiritually significant at times. But I feel the same prompting from God to, to serve my local community here as it was to serve these people in Haiti, you know, last year. That's really good. You know, the thing is we don't understand, we can't see the significance, you know, that little skate park could massively impact a generation of kids in that area, uh, for the gospel and, and them come to know the Lord, whereas, uh, they might not. So the impact of that obviously can have just a a huge, uh, uh, ripple effect. Absolutely. So, Okay, uh, as we wrap it up, I just want to ask you, what does living out your faith look like every day with those around you? It's ex- I'll tell you, it's exciting, more exciting now than it's ever been. Um, because those around me, I mean, when I think about my kids and my wife and what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, um, we're spending time together. We're, my wife and I are kind of trying getting back into shape, getting these old bodies working again. So we're doing this 5 a.m. class together that rolls, you know, from working out together into a devotional time uh, to, you know, we're in school season now. So, you know, to spend time with our kids, we take our kids surfing and skateboarding before school. Um, you know, then I go off to work. And anyways, it's just such a joyful moment in time for us um, that the, the feels like it almost feels a little bit like, you know, God's just blessed our faithfulness to our marriage and to our family over these years. And we're now reaping a lot of the rewards of that. Love it. Okay. Um, do you have like a resource or like a life hack or something you want to share with our listeners for fun? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I've actually got a number. I've, I've put some of my favorite travel places up on my website. Yeah. Um, that's a, if people are looking for a, a place to go, um, you know, go fishing, go fly fishing or go camping or something like that. I've got a bunch of my favorites that are up. So that might be something people can go check out. Um, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Where's it at? Tell us so we can, so, uh, your website, so we can jump on there. Yeah. It's just, it's Roger, uh, W com. Okay. And you'll, you'll see a picture of my van on the, on the front page. Um, and there'll be like a, these cool travel guides. Okay. Love it. All right. So last question for you, Roger, and uh, we never skip this. So if you could go back to the younger you, what age would you pick and what advice would you give yourself knowing you're going to go through all the things you're going to go through in life, but you can't change anything. You're just going to give yourself a pep talk. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably go back to young 20s 
when I was launching the skate park um, and feeling like, you know, that's, that's really the, all, even though that started the, our whole professional career that also started a good 15, 20 years of striving. And I think I'd go back and tell myself that it's all going to be okay, that I don't have to worry so much about, you know, uh, worry so much about the business, worry so much about everything that was going around me in life at that time. And just say, kind of just chill, go surfing and it's all going to be, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) Stop striving. Yeah. Stop striving and go surfing. I love that advice, man. I think I'll take it myself. <laughs> man, Roger, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come on here, man. I, I love your, I love stories and just, uh, and honestly, um, you dropped a lot of wisdom, uh, just over of, you know, 25 years of experience of having a business, kids, married, all that stuff. So, I highly recommend, especially younger men or anybody, if you know somebody, to uh, definitely share this podcast or listen to it because it's going to save you years off your life, I promise, Uh, for sure. So, Roger, um, that being said, as we depart, um, you gave yourself advice, uh, the the 20-year younger you. What advice would you leave with the audience? Oh, man. Um, Just... Be present right now in this moment. You know, find go go write down the ten things that bring you real true joy, and start doing those things with your family and with your friends. All right, Roger. Well, if you would just hold on just a second. Oh, hey, but actually, before I close, and uh, which I'll have you hold on, but tell our listeners where uh, the name of your book, where we can find it, and where we find you. Oh yeah, great. Um, the, the book, my latest book is we stood upon stars. Um, my, we stood upon stars, um, and my best friend's funeral sh- should be at the, all the Barnes and Nobles. So if you go Barnes and Nobles or the kind of the, the book stores, they should be there. If not, it's certainly on Amazon. Um, so you can find it there too, or you can just go to my website, which was rogerwthompson.com. Um, and there's links to everywhere it's available there as well. Come on. Love it, man. So, all right. Well, hold on just a second. Roar Nation, love you guys. Thank you for checking out this episode. I do want to remind you we are on all the social media links, so you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, our website, areyoureal.org. If you do want to leave me a note or say something, by far the best way to get a hold of Casey and myself is on Facebook. That's about all I check. Casey does all of the other thingamabobbers but uh that being said get on there leave us a note say something if you need help finding purpose love something about an episode just want to get in contact with us please do so so love y'all have a blessed week and uh, remember be real be authentic and be you god bless that's all for this episode of are you real finding the authentic you Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.